deals. And Barnes hits one high. It's a deep. It is out of here. The drive in the air to deep right field. That ball headed toward the wall. That ball is out of here. Out of here. It's out of here. It's out of here. Out of here. Outside Baseball with Seth Nevsky and Drew Frank. Hello and welcome to the second episode of Outside Baseball. My name is Seth Nevsky and with me once again is Drew Frank. How's it going, Seth? Hey, you know, I'm getting through it. How are you? Yeah, things things are good. Things are good. Mm-hmm. So today we're going really outside because Drew and I are doing this about a 30-minute drive from each other through the power of the internet. So like last time where we went over my questions for every AL team, today we're going through my questions for every NL team. Drew, are you ready for that? Yeah, I mean, I was going to say you could almost call it inside baseball. With the whole quarantine, you know, isolation, Mm -hmm. yeah. Yeah, because before we were doing this on a park bench. Yes, yeah. Mm -hmm. But now we're indoors preparing for uh, our inevitable death. Yeah, let's let's get right to it. (laughs) Uh Uh-huh. So we're going to start in the East, much like last time. Uh, Going alphabetically, that brings us to the Atlanta Braves. So my question for the Atlanta Braves is, why are they so good? Because I... Before this, like between the Chipper Jones era and their current era where they made the playoffs, what, the last two years? Yep. There was kind of a slight fall off, if I remember correctly. And looking at the roster, I know Azuna's good. I know Freddie Freeman's good. I know Acuna's good. Uh, I know that Soroka's good. But I'm really just not sure about the state of the rest of their roster. So how have they been so good? Um, Just like Acuna, you mentioned he's good. He's like one of the best players in baseball. Um, potentially the best player in the National League is like a four-way tie almost. You can pick Yelich, Betts, Bellinger, or him, but he's right there in that conversation. Um, yeah, What? so basically what they did was they've got all these young guys, and Acuna is part of it. You mentioned Soroka is part of it. The name you didn't mention is Ozzy Albies, if you're familiar with that name. Actually, no. So I know... Just looking at the roster, he plays second base. That's about it. Yep, switch hitting, second baseman. Um, pretty all-around toolsy type of guy. Uh, he had a super hot start to his rookie year. Um, kind of died down a little bit, but he's still like an all-star, still super good. And him and Acuna and Soroka are kind of like this, this new age. Um, but what they did was... If you know, kind of like the Padres have always been bad for when you've in your time following baseball. Like maybe there was a year with the Adrian Gonzalez, they were okay, but for the most part, always bad. But it was like, oh, they've got the prospects though, they've got the farm. The Braves kind of did that, but they executed. Like they had the the top prospects, they had um, great international signings. That the young guys just like, oh, this this whole youth movement's coming up. The Braves are a top farm for like two or three or four years. And then now this is manifested. So they've 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 built from the inside um, and kind of grown their own dudes to get here. Yeah. Uh, speaking on that, I remember a few years ago this was my introduction to Acuna and just who he is. Uh, he was at the prospect game for All Star, the whole All Star thing. Yep. Uh, and he took a picture with Yoan Moncada that said Acuna Moncada. So you know <laughs> the Lion King reference there yep. is perfect. Also, I think it's interesting. Uh, in the corner outfield, you got Ozuna and Acuna. That's mm-hmm. almost a rhyme. Well, it's it's uh it's a new 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 tandem because uh, Ozuna was in, well, he was in with Miami for the longest time. He just played in uh, 
St. Louis this past season. So he's their new signing. Ah. When they lost Donaldson, he, Donaldson was their third baseman. He's in Minnesota now. And so they didn't replace him with Azuna, but like that's where the, the budget went to. Yeah, in terms of getting another strong hitter there, I'd assume. Yep, another big ready bat. So before this, they were able to make the playoffs because, you know, partially because of Donaldson, who was there one year? Am I crazy? Yeah, one-year deal with them. Uh-huh. And before that, did they also make the playoffs before last year or no? So last year, uh, they made it, but they also, in 20, 2018, was Acuna's rookie year, where he won rookie of the year, and kind of the youth movement got them to playoffs. They won the East the past two mm-hmm. years, yeah. Right. And uh, looking at the roster, I could see also they have two former Jays prospects, uh, which, as we mentioned previously, uh, have not working out. And now they're just kind of 30-year-olds playing every here and there for the Atlanta Braves. Which which two? Hesheveria and Darno. Oh, yeah. Darno had like a decent little stint with Tampa Bay, but uh, yeah, not not quite his, uh, his projected ceiling, I guess you could say. And then I remember... Wasn't Swanson like the shortstop prospect everyone wanted immediately after Corey Seager? Yeah, he was uh, he was dealt for Shelby Miller, and everyone's like, oh, what a what a ripoff, what a steal. Neither of them have really panned out. So yeah, he uh, yeah, kind of not quite a bust. He's he's a major leaguer, and he's not not just okay. Like he's an, a, a quality above average guy, and he had some strong flashes last year where he was really good like a, a top 50 player at one point. But uh, yeah, not not the franchise-defining guy that a lot of people thought he was going to be. Well, Seager really hasn't worked out to be that either, right? After his first couple years, he kind of dipped. Uh, it's just been injuries. Jeez. It's just been injuries for him. So maybe he'll, he'll be back and healthy this year. We'll see. Mm-hmm. So next team on the list are the Miami Marlins. And my question for them is, <laughs> who's left on their team? Just because... You know, when I left following baseball, they had Yelich, they had Stanton, they had Azuna, three great hitters. And I'm currently looking at their roster. I can name like two, three, three guys. I can confidently say I can name three guys uh, in their starting lineup, and that's about it. So who are your three guys? Aguilar, you know? Yes. Uh, And then VR, maybe? Yep. Jonathan? Uh, Matt Joyce. Matt Joyce, you probably know, is like an older, like he's been around for a while, right? According to the MLB depth chart, he is not a starter for them, but I do uh, know who he is. Hold on. Do they also have Hanley Ramirez? Is that what I'm reading or am I crazy? Did they have or do they have? Do they? It's another H. Ramirez. So no, this is, I'm oh, probably so wrong. That's Harold Ramirez. Ah, so no. Hanley uh, was with them, but no. Yeah. Uh, Corey Dickerson. I also right, know. Right. Uh-huh. Um, so that, the, the name you should know. Brian Anderson, infielder. Um, hmm. He is he's he's young-ish. I want to say he's like 26, 25. Um, but so he's he was their all-star representative last year uh, because he's got like great hitting skills, like bad on ball contact. Like he can hit. He's he's got the tools to hit 300 for them. He can play corner outfield, third base, where he mostly plays. Um, kind of all around the field a little bit. He showed great flashes. I think it was in 2018. Um, and so they're kind of hoping he'll be one of their guys. Um, but the other, the part of the roster, and they say you don't really recognize their lineup, The most of what Marlins fans are looking forward to is the rotation. At least one more name I know in there. So there you go. Yeah? Uh, Urena? Yes. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. So he, him, um, Caleb Smith, Sandy Alcantara, they're all kind of guys that could become something. Um, and they all kind of have the skills and tools that you look for in, in a young starting pitcher. So if, if something in this team is going to surprise anyone, it would be they could they could have you know a rotation in the top half of the National League if things pan out well. But they're not sl- sniffing the playoffs? No. The, the other four teams are all so close. Like I was looking at, just uh, to see where we're at, I was looking at the Vegas odds for the NL East. And the Braves, the Mets, and the Nationals are all tied with Philly just behind them. Like, there's there's no real even favorite between the top three. It, it's such a close division that there's no way uh, Miami sneaks ahead of all of them. Yeah. So, will they just never make the playoffs ever again? I'll say no on that one. <laughs> <laughs> but, I don't know. There's, uh, it's not even like you can say the window's opening. Yeah, that's, uh, I'm on the wired take. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Just uh, they've they've given player after player away, so you know. Yeah, might know. just never happen again for them. Also, I I noticed in their bullpen they have switch pitcher Pat Venditti. Wow. Yeah, so that's something. Yeah, sure is. He's kind of he's all over the place. <laughs> yeah, I you know he's a gimmick pitcher, but it's fun to watch. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So next we move on to the New York Mets. I just want to know kind of what's happened to them. I know that since they made the World Series, they've kind of eternally dipped. Looking at their roster, I do know some names. I know uh, Pete Alonzo, who, you know, was a rookie sensation, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. Uh, I know all of their rotation. Uh, they got Cano so and Conforto, who I think is also very good, correct? Yeah, yeah. Um, Cano, not, not, much, not much there left in the tank um he's getting paid like like he's he's still there he, he's like i don't know he'll hit like 260 270 probably but um a huge injury risk and not much pop left in the bat i think he had a, a three homer game last year but beyond that not not a ton is he nl miguel cabrera at this point um not yet mm-hmm. he like uh he he'll put up a a, a positive wins above replacement score but not by much. Mm-hmm. Do you know Jeff McNeil? I see his name, and I may recognize it, but is he good? Yeah. Yeah, he's uh, outside of Alonzo, um, and maybe Conforto. I don't know. He's probably right there with Conforto, just in like pure hitting skills. Super good um, because he just makes a ton of contact. He's got, he's got some power. He's got enough power, enough gap power especially, but just a great – Bad ball skills and uh, another guy. He, he kind of plays all over the place. Plays some outfields in the corners. Play third. Play second. Um, just all around the infield. Which, especially in the National League, those are players that give you extra value, right? Mm-hmm. You mentioned Alonso. He's the star. Uh, the rotation's kind of interesting because they were looking at one point last year to trading Syndergaard. Yeah, I heard that. It was like, oh, are they selling? And then they didn't. And then now they got Stroman, which is like, oh, cool. They lost Zach Wheeler. It's like some turnover. Um, Rick Purcello got him at like a decent enough contract. It's just, uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I, if, if you don't really know what's going on with the team, 
I wouldn't say you're, you're too far out of the loop because most people don't really know necessarily what their direction is moving forward. Their rotation just on names only does look impressive. So should that be, is that like top 10 in the league, top five in the league? Where are you thinking for that? Oh yeah, it's it's right up there in the National League, behind the Dodgers and maybe the Nationals, top three in the league, I'll say. Um, but but like when I said, the odds are saying the Mets are in a three-way tie for most likely to win the division. That's why. DeGrom, one of the best pitchers in the world, maybe the best if you don't look at Garrett Cole, one of the two of them. And then Syndergaard if he's healthy, Stroman if he's healthy, Mats if he's healthy. You don't know what you're going to get. Also, upon seeing this roster, like, I was confused when you originally said the odds because I thought probably Philly would be the third team in that conversation. But, you know, looking at it now, I understand why the Mets are in the conversation. Uh, and also, with their bullpen, I recognize a few names there. Uh, Lugo, Batances, Familia. Is that another good part of their roster? Last year, it wasn't. <laughs> they <laughs> went out and Edwin Diaz, familiar name. Uh, slightly familiar. He saved a ton of games with uh, the Mariners in 2018, and he was the reliever of the year in the American League. And so they traded a handful of prospects. Um, Kalanick was the, the top prospect who had... It's still early looking at prospects, but the, the big part of the trade was they took on Cano's massive contract to get Edwin Diaz. Uh, and last year, it was not pretty... He gave up a ton of runs, and Familia gave up a ton of runs, and their bullpen was just an absolute dumpster fire. So this year, if he can bounce back, they've got so much just, uh, what's the word, volatility in the pen, because the chances can be hit or miss all over the place. Uh, Familia and Diaz last year were super all over the place. You know, guys like Brad Brock, you don't know what you're going to get. So it, it has the potential, but the floor is also kind of low if things don't go as planned. Hmm. And then looking at Philly, uh, obviously they got Bryce Harper. Uh, they got Segura. They got Gregorius. Once again, some names I mentioned, which I'm not sure if at this point is a good thing or a bad thing, just because, you know, the distance from which I had last followed baseball closely. I also recognize Real Mudo, I guess. So uh, how's this team right now? You said did you say McCutcheon? I did see McCutcheon right now. Uh, in terms of this roster, somehow they got Quinn playing both left and center field on the depth chart, but McCutcheon's just below Quinn in center. So uh, there you go. Uh, so now looking at the roster, I kind of get why they're in fourth. Uh, I remember they made the playoffs two years ago and were pretty good then, right? Yeah. Uh, they, I don't know, they haven't been necessarily. Um, I think it was 2015 or 16. It was one year where they made it um, just just briefly. But the last couple of years have been tough. And they thought they would break through with Bryce Harper, and they really haven't. So, yeah, I I don't know. It's, uh, it's a team where they've got potential, right? If Bryce Harper goes back into 2015 mode, they've, they've got potential. But there's all sorts of gaps in the roster. You mentioned there's um, some some question marks with 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 older guys. You you said it could be a good thing or a bad thing that you know these names. <laughs> mm. uh, they don't have the same type of thing where the Braves were this this young core that's really emerged. They've got Reese Hoskins, but beyond that, uh, Aaron Nola is maybe a name you know, probably a name you know. Yeah, 
It is. He's been good. Last year, not quite as strong as the year before, but potential there. Uh, I think the the big problem presently is the bullpen because their closers hurt, I believe, for all of 2020. Although, I mean, depending on when we start the season, maybe he'll be back. Um, David Robertson, former White Sox, former Yankee, two-time Yankee. Yeah, I recognize that name. Yeah, he had Tommy John last summer, so he's he's probably not going to be back until 2021. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's it's if the team's okay, they're pretty good, but the division is 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 super competitive, and they don't have the same type of rotation as the Mets or the Nationals have. Yeah, my question for them is like, how good is Bryce Harper really? Because obviously, he has you know all this hype, enormous contract. But just looking at Fangraphs, he really had one, like only one stellar, stellar season and has kind of just been good since then and before then, but not as good as people thought he was going to be. Like this kid, wasn't he on the Sports Illustrated cover at like 12 years old? Uh, I'm not sure about that. <laughs> I'm not sure about that. No, like, I mean, he got to the major league super young, right? Like his uh, his first season back in 2012, he was only 19. So um, it's it's... When they pay him this huge contract, are you familiar with his contracts? I know it is enormous. I'm not sure of the exact numbers. Well, the big the big thing is it's 13 years with no opt-out and a full no trade. Well, geez. Yeah. So it's <laughs> it's a big contract, but it's also a big commitment because you're not getting out of that right and 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 both 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 people the Phillies and the and the Harper's camp is really committed to making this happen so i think you say that 2015 was really stellar that's what you're putting your money for that's what you're paying for and yeah he's kind of been hit or miss since then um he hasn't had too many injuries to worry about he missed some time i think it was 2017 but they're kind of hoping that he can channel that again because he's got a sweet swing. He's uh, quick enough. He's good enough in the field. He's got a, a strong arm. Um, and they're just thinking if he can get back to where he was and, and recreate 2015, not even to the full extent where he just went off all year long, but even just channel that and, and just become more consistent at the plate then he could potentially uh, anchor their franchise moving forward. But is that really like a sensible thing to do, being that he hasn't done it in so long? Yeah, but he also did it when he was, I want to say 22, would have been 25. Yeah, I think 22. So when you see that much skill at that young age, if you're going to push all the chips in and, and gamble on someone, it makes more sense to sign someone like that to a contract than to just sign some guy that's 29, like a Pujols type contract. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's still lots of time for it to pan out, I'd say. And uh, the last team in the East is the Washington Nationals. And obviously they won the World Series last year. Uh, they lost another enormous piece for the second straight year, uh, losing Rendon. The team on paper, from what I see, still looks pretty good, but are they headed for the playoffs? Will they be in a similar position as they were last year or somewhere before that uh, in their chronology as a franchise? Last year, I didn't think they'd make the playoffs. I had the Braves winning the division. I had the Braves going all the way, making it to the World Series. So 
they did what they had to do. I mean, they really turned around their season. There's all sorts of stuff online about, I think it was mid-May, where, I'm not sure if you've seen it, there's like a uh, Jimmy Kimmel segment where Nationals went back and they had the players and they had the manager looking at tweets and comments online from when they were, I think, 15 games. They were like 17 and 34 or something like that. Um, Jeez. Yeah, I, I'm not sure the exact number, but they really turned their season around. And they dominated most of the way through playoffs. And they knocked off some of the best teams in baseball. So I want to say they don't make it back without Rendon. But, I mean, this team's got it. And with Scherzer and Strasburg and Soto, if all of them stay healthy, they could they could take this division for sure. Yeah, and their rotation still looks pretty good from the names I know. Yeah. And uh, they got some guys to fill in the gaps, I guess. Uh, Castro, is he's new, correct? I'm not crazy? Uh, yeah, he was with um, Milwaukee. The, uh, Yankees. Milwaukee. Uh, Miami. Oh, sorry. So he was with the Yankees before Miami? Cubs, Yankees, Miami, in that order. Uh-huh. Uh, and Eric Thames, I recognize as well. So those seem like, what, like two war guys? basically um yeah i i don't know it, it it depends they'll probably both get platoons uh kind of around the infields because the the nationals have kind of they did that a lot last year yeah where they're like playing splits and they've got enough enough depth kind of um on their team to be able to do that because howie kendrick plays some first so he'll probably play against most of the lefties and some righties Thames will play against some righties as well uh the guys Drupal cabrera they kind of split some time with castro and and do all that so they've, they've got the depth pieces that a real contender has um but we talked about the cunha are you familiar with what juan soto has been doing in his career of course yeah he's insane mm-hmm so when they lost Harper, it was kind of like, okay, this sucks, but we've got Juan Soto as kind of not quite the heir to the throne, but definitely as a suitable replacement. And he put up better numbers last year than Harper did. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it looks like what they did is uh, they just kind of doubled down on depth since they lost Rendon. Is that a fair thing to say? Yeah. That's so. That's where they put the cash. I would say, uh, it's kind of like when we talked about Donaldson leaving, so the cash went to Azuna, and it's not a direct replacement, but it's just a different strategy. So when Rendon's gone, now they're thinking that their third base is gonna be uh, their top prospect, Carter Keboom. I think it's Keboom's the pronunciation. Mm -hmm. um, but so he's on obviously. Um, a very cheap deal because he's just coming up for the first time. So then they reallotted the Rendon money into bringing back Strasburg and into signing these guys like Soto or not Soto, sorry, Castro and Thames and uh, Cabrera and those type of dudes. So yeah, they they're they're going in on the depth uh, financially, but for third base, I think they're hoping that uh, Carter Kaboom's ready um, and so he'll be able to slide in. So if you needed to kind of predict. Who of this group will win the division? Who do you think it is? I'll go Braves. I went Braves last year. Um, Braves have won it back-to-back -back years. I think they do it again. Um, Acuna is saying that he wants to... I believe uh, he predicted himself be going for uh, a 50 home run, 50 steal season. So uh, that's never been done. But uh, yeah, I don't know. I, I love what he brings to the table. Uh, Soroka... 
good old Canadian boy out there. Uh, yeah, I'll go Braves, followed by Nationals, because I feel like they've got less that can go wrong than the Mets. So that puts the Mets thirds. Phillies, unfortunately for them, still fourth. And we don't even have to mention Miami. <laughs> so the Nationals, so they're kind of like the Blues almost uh, of hockey. Yeah. Or uh, or the tanking for the draft team of uh, the Hoop Dome Division Three League. Uh, shout out to my boys on the squad. Uh, in terms of, you know, starting the season off slow, but, uh, you know, winning the chip in the end. So that's good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. The fun team to watch. It's kind of like uh, when they're in the playoffs, kind of like the Rays where everyone's just rooting for them because they're a different team and they're not the Yankees, they're not the Dodgers, they're not the Astros. So, yeah, it was, it was fun to watch them last year. Mm-hmm. So now we head to the Central Division. Do, do you want to throw the prediction for the East? You know what? I'll try it out. Uh, yeah. I hope it's the Nats, just because I don't like these one-off baseball World Series winners, which you've kind of seen. Like, the Giants were kind of like that. I think the first time they, like, won it, and then they didn't make the playoffs. I think the Royals may have done that, too. So just for some uh, consistency, uh, I'm going to go with the Nationals. Cool. Uh, or at least that's my hopeful. That's that's a that's a fair prediction. Like I said, the odds are split, so you can pick any of those three. You can even get away with picking the Phillies. Um, that's yeah, it's 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 up for grabs, which makes should make it fun to watch whenever we end up uh, playing baseball. <laughs> so yeah, now we're headed to the Central. Uh, we got the Cubs, but I asked this question uh, before we actually started the pod to you and Liam. You may remember this because my question is: Are they still a powerhouse? And Liam laughed and went, no. So that kind of answers that. But uh, there are a lot of names I still recognize that, you know, going back a couple of years were very good. Schwarber, Baez, Bryant, Rizzo. So what happened? I, you can't write them off. That's just a, a Cubs fan being pessimistic, as a lot of jaded Cubs fans are. But they're they're still they're still there. They're still definitely a contender this year. Um like you said, they've got pretty much the whole core. The only thing is they haven't added to that core. So it's not like um, it's not like some of the other teams where they've they've built off of what they had. The, the Cubs have kind of held their ground. They've retained their guys, but they haven't like they haven't lost any big pieces, but they haven't really grown too much. So their bullpen looks to be a question mark this year. Um, Brandon Morrow. You're, you're I Jay's do remember fan. You him. know Brandon yep. Morrow. Have Have uh-huh. you seen him reinvent his career? I I have. Uh, yeah. Didn't he do a good job with the Dodgers? Yeah. Last year or maybe the year before? Uh, yeah, two years ago now because he was with the Cubs last year and he was pretty much hurt all year long. Mm-hmm. So has he like legit turned himself into one of the best relievers in baseball though? Uh, not one of the best. Like he he he'd be the setup man for Kimbrel, hmm. but. Yeah, he he was legit with the Dodgers. I guess that answers you asked on the first guest on episode one. If there's ever been a recent guy that was a starter, went to a reliever late in his career, kind of like Felix Hernandez is trying to do and and have it work out. And I said, I couldn't think of one. Well, there's one. Brandon Morrow. Well, yeah, that one works. Uh, Thanks for that example, I guess. (laughs) Am I crazy or were they former teammates? Uh, Yeah. Yeah, they would have been teammates on when Moro was first coming up with uh, the Mariners, if I remember correctly. So there you go. Hopefully that Moro power can rub off on Felix. 
two points for you for that teammate connection. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we should just have someone here keeping score. Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. That would be a, a good investment for the pod. <laughs> so next, let's go to the Cincinnati Reds, uh, who for a bit were one of the most pathetic ba- uh, franchises in baseball, if I am not mistaken. But you, I'm not sure if this was like uh, joking, but you were excited about them uh, when we previously just touched on them. So why are you excited about the Reds? There's There's a lot to be excited about. And I think that is undisputable at at this point in time, indisputable, because the rotation, if you look at the rotation, if you have it pulled up in front of you, I do the couple names you probably, you probably recognize Trevor Bauer, right? I recognize, I think three names. Yeah. Kind of four. Castillo. Okay. So that's four names. My bad. You know, Castillo Mm -hmm. four and a half names. I'll go through them. Castillo, Gray, Bauer, I've seen the name Desclafani and Wade Miley. Mm-hmm. That's rotation. Mm-hmm. Uh, Castillo is like so fun to watch because he's not he's not gonna go out and necessarily put up eight shut of innings every game, but he has some disgusting stuff. The controls, the controls, you can handle the control. He's he's pretty he's he's around the zone, but it's just the stuff he brings. The change up that's just devastating. He's got probably the best change up in the league out of any starter. Him and DeGrom's got a good one, but Castillo's is so good. Um and it's like an absurd I don't have the advanced numbers in front of me right now, but that's an absurd swing strike percentage. Um by like by far the best in the league, and Bauer last year struggled a lot in Cincinnati. Very surprising. He's legit, and he's like an absolute numbers guy. I don't know if you know much about Trevor Bauer's personality, but he is. I've heard he's legit crazy. Well, he's uh yeah I don't know he's when it comes to baseball, he's very, very studious. He's probably the most. Um, openly adaptive to all of the advanced stuff because he tracks his spin rate. He, he I was watching, he has a, a YouTube channel where he posts tons of stuff and it's pretty interesting, but he has like an hour long lecture at this, um, I think it was a, a, a college in the States where he's just talking about spin rate and how he's been studying it and how he's been developing it and just honing his spin rate. And if there's someone to bet on bouncing back, it's going to be someone like that, that really focuses on the improvements. So I would bet on the rotation more than holding their own. And then the lineup, they it's it's I want to say stacked. It's it's getting into stacked territory. They've they've added some big pieces. Um Eugenio Suarez has just been raking tons of home runs, like multiple 40 home run seasons. He was right in it last year for the home run title, right like the National League home run title right up to the end of the year. Put up 49 last year. Just just checked. They signed Nick Castellanos. They signed a leadoff hitter out of Japan. They've they've got some some interesting and some fun things. They've got a guy named is that Akiyami? Yes, Akiyama. Sorry, Akiyama. Yeah. And then Aristides Aquino. Mm-hmm. See that name? Mid-season call-up last year. Just hit a ton of home runs. <laughs> in his first week, he had, I think it was like, or maybe it's something like uh, a, like 11 games, 7 home runs, or something like that. He just came in, 
guns blazing and just lit up the league. A, a, a difficult second half, but like that's an exciting player to watch. Yeah. And if you're looking for a fun team, this this roster's full of them. Hmm. So will they have a shot at the playoffs? Yes. Wow. And is Votto at this at this point just kind of like a signified starter type of guy? That was definitely the wrong word, but just a guy you have out there because because of the legacy he has. No, no, he's when you talked about Cano like reaching Miguel Cabrera territory. Votto is far from that. Still, mm-hmm. he's uh, he's good. He's a legitimate starter. I uh, didn't mention him because he's not the flashy name with high ceilings like some of the other guys, but you know what he is and you know what he's going to bring to the table and and his discipline and his play approach is something that as he gets older, you're still going to have value in that. Mm-hmm. And by the way, for the people pulling their hair out, I believe the word I was looking for was dignified. Yeah, that works. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. That, that's uh, that's fitting. But mm-hmm. he's he's more he's not just there because he's the face of the franchise. He's he's there because he's a legitimate first baseman. And uh, what do you think is the uncertainty with this roster? Because you mentioned a lot of their ceiling, but like, are they a lock to be in contention, or do you think that this could also go off the rails? Um, if it goes off the rails, it's not the end of the world because they are all young and the the there's going to be multiple seasons in this window. But I would I would be very surprised if they weren't in contention. Uh, if things go wrong, I'd be more surprised than if things go right. Hmm. So uh, I'm looking at their middle infield. There are a couple names I recognize there as well. Uh, Galvis and Moustakis. I didn't know Moustakis played second base. Is that just a weird MLB depth chart error? But Or is that something he's doing now? No, that was just the Brewers being weird and being the Brewers <laughs> in uh, 2017, 20. Is it 17 or 18? I think it was 17. They um they needed some bats. And so they just got... They loaded up their team in the deadline. And then they're like, oh, we have four first basemen. So it was like, it was them. It was him, Shaw, Aguilar, and Thames, I believe, were the four of them. Jesus. And it was like, okay, so Shaw, you're a third baseman. Okay, Mustakis, you're a second baseman. We'll just... Aguilar, you can play some second base. And then <laughs> they, it, was, it was a bat-first approach that you'd see... Um, and especially in the National League, when you don't have a DH, you kind of have to do that type of stuff. Um, but so that's where they kind of, that's where Moustakis kind of picked up his versatility. So he played mostly in corners with, with the Royals, but then the Brewers system just, I guess, moved him around. So he'll be probably playing second base for them all season in Cincinnati. Is he semi-competent there, or is he just kind of, you, you do it for his bat? Well, you do do it for his bat. But he's definitely semi-competent. I, I don't have the, the fielding metrics up, but it's not like he was a, a huge detriment as far as I can remember. All right. You may be hearing some plates in the background because I am doing this from my house. Is that lunchtime then? Or what's getting ready back there? Dude, it's 1020. Who is lunch at 1020 a.m.? Hey, I don't know how long you, you do your meal preps or what's happening over there. Nah, those are uh, – that's my – my mom in the other room. I also thought it was way later than it was, to be completely honest. That's what happens when you wake up for eight. Yeah, morning lecture. <laughs> Shout out to Barry Nevsky. Oh, also, by the way, during my morning lecture, I realized that's a great time to actually get exercise in. So I was like 
working out while doing the lecture. And now I kind of wish I could have done this for my entire academic career. <laughs> but thanks for taking those notes. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Okay, just because we had the chance. I looked up the feeling metrics on Moustakis out of curiosity. Uh, last year, he played mostly third base, some second base, and some first base, and he was a completely neutral zero outs above average. So he's he's hmm. going to hold his own. Well, there you go. So that's that's not bad. So that if for his bad, it'll be probably worth it. Yeah, for for like a bat first guy, you you'll take that. Uh huh. Speaking of uh, stacked, are the Brewers at that territory, or am I just looking at names I recognize? Yeah, just it's recognizable names. The Brewers ah. took a big fall uh, this past off season, but I don't know you. So they they're very they're a toolsy team. They'll get creative. They were um, before Cincinnati got all these exciting players. I, I like watching the Brewers games the last couple of years because I mean Yelich and Hader have the star power. They're fun to watch, but the the way that Craig Council manipulates his lineup is 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 interesting and mm -hmm. they lost Yasmani Grandal who was the best catcher in baseball last year and probably will be this year as well um, and they lost Mike Moustakis who we just talked about who provides some pop they lost Travis Shaw who may or may not really be too important to them they lost Chase Anderson they've they've taken some hits but they they they're still around I guess I could see my fellow tribesman Ryan Braun is currently at first base. Yeah, he's uh, he played some first last year. He played uh, he still plays some left, but yeah, mostly uh, mostly moving around first first and left. Yeah, he's never been a good fielder, correct? Very correct. He started at third base in his career, and that was horrendous. And uh, as he's getting older, you can only imagine the fielding skill is decreasing and decreasing. Mm-hmm. But they signed Justin Smoke, so I'm not sure. I see that as well. Yeah, another, again, no DH. I'm not sure who will play more. So do you think they just platoon the two? Uh, I mean, they both hit lefties better. Hmm. So, I mean, Smoke, Smoke's a switch hitter, so he can, he can handle, I don't know. Like I said, it's the, the way Council manages his team is so interesting that... <laughs> Even if I were to guess, it would probably be wrong because they, they probably have some 4D chess going on here that I'm, and most people just uh, aren't seeing. <laughs> Throwing Braun back on third, question mark? Yeah, hey, who knows? I mean, they lost uh, Mastakis and they lost Shaw, so maybe third base is open uh, for the grabs. Well, geez. Also, a couple names I recognize, and I know probably won't contribute just based on where they are in the depth chart. Uh the super-powered Mike McCoy, Brock Holt. Oh, sorry. I thought you were listing two names. Like, there's no way Mike McCoy no, there is, is still another in the name. league. No, no. There is another. I was saying that he is, like, he, he is Mike McCoy on steroids. Got it. Got it. Got it. Mm -hmm. I was like, they have Brock Holt and Mike McCoy. It's like, <laughs> no way Mike McCoy is still around. But, yeah. Brock Holt was a, a late-season ad. Mm -hmm. They got him, I think, just before spring training happened. But with McCoy... Uh, <laughs> I was going to say McCoy. With Holt and Sogard um, and uh, even guys like Ben Gamble and uh, Jed Giorgio, there's a lot of guys that just kind of move around the infield without necessarily a, a true starting position. 
So that gives Council even more flexibility to just kind of craft his lineup day by day without having a true starter at most positions. And uh, just a few more things. Uh, the other name I was going to mention uh, is a guy who, kind of like Braun, was in the outfield and has since moved to exclusively first base, Logan Morrison, who, if I remember, was at one point a very good power hitter, but I guess not anymore based on his placement in the depth chart. Yeah, he uh, he had a couple good seasons, mostly just hitting righties. Um, he's kind of your prototypical big lefty first baseman bat so a Seth Nevsky. <laughs> yeah hey there you go there's a there's a comp mm-hmm. but I I think he had a couple good years one with the Rays and maybe some flashes with uh back with Miami were they still Florida then I, still I, Florida I think then? he was in both eras oh yeah yeah um but yeah he's he hasn't done much of late so i wouldn't expect too much room especially when we said they already got a bunch of first base types yeah and looking at their rotation uh and their bullpen i really only recognize a few names here obviously hater who is one of the best relievers in baseball uh and if this anderson is the anderson i'm thinking of then also him yeah it probably is (laughs) it is but uh how's their pitching staff looking is josh lindblom on your depth chart uh, he is as a starter. Yeah, yeah. He's their uh, their new acquisition from uh, I want to say Japan, but he might have played in the KBO. He 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 came over from Asia. So kind of a Thames thing. Yeah, pretty much. Um, a bit of an older dude. Like he wasn't able to find it coming up into the major leagues. Spent some time overseas, and now he is. A reinvented pitcher. So he, he put up really good numbers. Um, if you just give me a sec, I'll, I'll, I'll pull him up. But he uh, he was a guy that lots of teams were bidding on. The Jays were in the bidding. Apparently, the Jays offered him more money than he took with the Brewers, but he just liked the fit better. So hmm. take that how you will. But uh, yeah, he, so he, he pitched in Korea. And last year, he went 20-3 and with a 2-6-4 ERA. Jeez. Those are numbers. Yeah, certainly. <laughs> so uh, he, he probably slots in in like the 3-4 spot in the rotation because 32-year-old guy coming back, you don't know what you're going to get from him. But those are numbers that you take a shot on if you can, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, and my official question here uh, was, how did Yelich make the leap? Because he was good with the Marlins, but he wasn't like arguably second best in the league good. So really what happened? Lots of the analysts are kind of puzzled because he has one of the worst swings for uh, launch angle where Mm -hmm. he lines the ball. He doesn't get under it. He doesn't have like a Bellinger swing where he's really coming under it and he doesn't – or like Harper or Donaldson or any of those guys. He's got – he just – he hits line drives like crazy, but he's so strong that the – he doesn't have the launch angle, but he has the exit velocity and he hits balls hard and he takes a ton of pitches. So he, he really works deep into counts, um, has a great plate approach. The discipline's there. And he was always, he was always good in Miami, like a, a borderline, like around the 300 mark contact first, um, always hit righties. Well, it's just the leap has been, he's developed power and serious power. 
and that's that's just what's what's elevated him all the way to MVP level. Hmm. Uh, so next we move on to the Pittsburgh Pirates. Uh, so my official question for this team before we get into the other stuff is uh, I got a shirt from when I went to Pittsburgh that says uh, Kutch owns Pittsburgh. Is it still appropriate to wear? Uh, also, what is this team? Because I know Cut McCutcheon is like teams away from the Pirates. But is that like, was his legacy strong enough that that shirt still makes sense? Like, could I wear it or no? Yeah. Yeah. 100%. Yes. They're, uh, he, it, it's like, I guess it'd be like uh, in Toronto wearing uh, like a DeMar DeRozan. Sure. It's like everyone loves DeMar DeRozan, right? No one's going to complain like, oh, yeah, that's that's old. That's outdated. You know what I mean? Like, uh, Kutch, mm-hmm. when he was there, he did all sorts of community stuff. He uh, he was he's, he's like a fun guy. He came up with them and he hasn't really done much on other teams. He's been hurt a lot. He's hurt right now, actually. But yeah, he's he's fun. I've got a 22 McCutcheon bright yellow pirates jersey as well Damn. Uh, yeah he's 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 awesome but the rest of the team not so awesome 2020 not going to be looking too great for them at all and when we talked about teams that are in the hunt we've already mentioned a few that are right there the pirates kind of like the the marlins aren't even gonna sniff anything <laughs> yeah because i recognize a couple names but like not good names, like Gerard Dyson and Maley. <laughs> Luke Maley? Yeah. Yeah. Who's their backup catcher currently, apparently. I do remember though, from when I last uh last left of uh, the baseball following community, Bell was supposed to be one of the top prospects. How's he been? He's been good switch hitting first baseman. Last year he hit a bunch of home runs. Um over thirty five, I think. Uh yeah, thirty seven last year. He was that, that was kind of his first big, big season. Um, but, uh, oh, sorry, actually, he hit... Oh, yeah, he did hit 37. Apologize for that. Yeah, he mm-hmm. um, he's pretty much the only bat that's worth anything here. They had Starling Marte as their center fielder, but they traded him just this past offseason because, like I said, this season is going to be pretty much a lost one. Um the rotation kind of has some pieces. You no doubt remember Chris Archer. Yep. But when we did our AL East preview and we talked about how the Pirates got scammed super hard giving up Glasnow, Meadows, and the prospect for Archer, that's that's kind of what's contributed to the, the situation they're in now. Mm-hmm. So sometimes big swings do not pay off. Well, the other trade they, they made was Garrett Cole was a Pirate, and they traded him for... Joe Musgrove and, and parts. And now Cole is the best pitcher in the American League. And mm-hmm. they don't have him. <laughs> well, geez. Uh, so next we head to St. Louis for the Cardinals. Uh, my question for them is, uh, and I'm not sure even if you'll understand the question. So hopefully you do. And if not, I'll describe it. Are they the San Antonio Spurs of baseball? Being that they're always solid every year. A few years they go out and beyond and win. The championship are they the most stable franchise in baseball um would you say the spurs are associated with choking wow no okay because i would say that probably sounds more like the dodgers because the dodgers are always there but they haven't won but 
the Dodgers, yeah, their their reputation is more like they they can't get it done rather than instead of praising them for always being there, it's like, man, why why haven't they done it? The the Cardinals, yeah, I would say if if it's not like a so the Spurs are making the playoffs but not expected to win every year, is what you're saying? In recent years, like they've they've always made the playoffs probably up until if this season continues this year. But within that span, they've had years where it's like they win 50 games. They have years where it's they win 60 games. And they have years where they're really in contention, years they get knocked out of the first round. Got it. Yeah, um, the Cardinals haven't made it. I mean, they made this past playoffs. They hadn't made it um, before that since 2015. So they had a bit of a lull when the Cubs were just dominating the division. But yeah, the, I'd say that's that's pretty apt. Last year, they won the Central, and they made some noise against the Braves, and they... Oh, what would they do in that series? They beat the Braves? Yeah. Yeah, that, I, I just remember it being crazy. Yeah, no, I remember they, they blew out in the first inning. Yeah, yeah, that's right. So they, they destroyed them in the first inning. Did you watch any playoffs last year? Yeah. Yeah? Mm-hmm. So, yeah, St. Louis blew out of Atlanta. That's right. They, they went on to the CS. Um, I, the, the pieces are back for them. The only, the only player they lost from that team was Azuna, who we touched on, I feel like, four or five times now already. <laughs> uh-huh. um, A lot of Azuna talk. Yeah. I mean, I guess it makes sense when you're talking Marlins and we're talking Braves and now we're talking Cardinals. But uh, this team... The biggest piece is Jack Flaherty, the superstar. Mm-hmm. If, if we're keeping the Spurs analogy going, do they have any like up-and-coming, like young 24, 25-year-old superstar? Well, maybe we could bring it back, rewind a few years, and say Kawhi was supposed to be that guy, but you know okay. he decided to go a different direction. Right now, they had got some pieces that are kind of hit or miss. People love DeJounte Murray because he's a good defender. But uh, I'm not sure if he'll put it together offensively. But yeah, I guess you could use Kawhi from a few years ago in place of that analogy. Well, he is um, the he he pitched the best second half in all of baseball last year. Wow, he pitched um, in the, in his final 71 in the third innings, which is 11 starts, which is a big enough sample size. 11 starts. His ERA was 076. Jeez. Yeah. <laughs> so so that's what he went out on. That was that was uh, how his regular season ended. And uh, coming to 2020, if you're expecting more of that, then he's a legit Cy Young contender. Wow. So the 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 team, while they are consistent, um, he can really elevate their ceiling if he can go out and win 20 games for them. Yeah, and I, I recognize a lot of names on this roster. Uh, Dexter Fowler, Colton Wong, Paul Goldschmidt, Yadier Molina, Matt Wieters, Andrew Miller. And if I'm not mistaken, uh, Brett Cecil? <laughs> yeah, he. Uh, I don't even know if he got into a game with them last year. But he's been hurt, and he was hurt. But uh, yeah, Cecil is Cecil's irrelevant. <laughs> I just saw the name and I'm like, wow! I right. didn't even know he was still around. Uh, and then, well, he's he's not really. <laughs> he he didn't pitch at all last year. I just checked. Uh huh. 
uh, in their rotation. Outside of Flaherty, I recognize a couple names. Hudson, Wainwright. So who's, who's really, outside of Flaherty, the guy you need to watch on the stand? Tommy Edmond? Hmm. How's that for a pick? Is that a name you know? No, actually. Is he a younger guy? Yeah. He's, uh, last year was his first his first season in the bigs. Uh, a rookie. Um, again, fitting the mold of kind of plays wherever. Third, short, second, corner outfield. Uh, maybe even a bit of center. I can't remember if he played there. Probably not because they have quite a few outfield options. But anyway, he all around the infield. Uh, switch hitting utility type guy who hit 300 in his rookie year and was a big piece in catalyzing the Cardinals offense because they struggled out the gate a little bit and it was a division last year that was very tight between them and the Brewers and the Cubs were in the race for for quite a while and when the Cardinals didn't start so hot it was like okay um, this isn't great but I'm not sure if you know, there's a, there's an old saying where it's like, you can't win a division in April, but you can lose a division in April, where if you fall too far behind, you can't catch up in time. Um, and they weren't quite in that territory, but when Edmund came up, he was called up mid-season as like a, well, like most rookies are. We saw Vladimir Guerrero and Boba Shed and all those guys get called up mid-season. And when Edmund was that guy for the Cardinals, he really just brought another level to to uh to their offense so he's he's not the star on offense like goldschmidt uh, matt carpenter looking to bounce back but Edmonds kind of an interesting guy to to know for sure yeah i see just looking at his fan graphs 3.2 war in 92 games like that's pretty yeah. good yeah mm-hmm. all-star for sure yeah so now we're headed to the west uh the first team there or sorry real quick uh central who are you thinking is going to win the division Okay, so I, well, I want the I want the Reds, <laughs> but I'll say the Cardinals probably are most likely to. And if it comes down to the end of the season, I'm going to want the team that has Jack Flaherty. So I'll take the Cardinals. All right, so now we are headed to the West. Oh, come on, you got to throw out one. <laughs> Look, uh, it's probably going to be wrong uh, to kind of go into your you know, what you want, your your ambitions. I'm going to choose the Reds for you. Hey, okay. Mm-hmm, because I'm just that that good a guy. What a guy. Mm-hmm. So now, on the third time I say it, <laughs> we are headed uh, to the Arizona Diamondbacks. I recognize some names. They got two dudes named Marte. I recognize both of them, if I'm not mistaken. Cattell was like a Dark Horse MVP candidate? Yeah, Last year, he really broke out. It was his first kind of uh, big season where he was starting uh, all the games and there wasn't really much of a chance that he was going to win the MVP because Yelich and Bellinger were so far ahead of everyone else. But if I'm not mistaken, he got some votes and he actually he finished fourth in NL MVP voting. So pretty impressive. And he is uh, probably the biggest bat in their lineup. And I recognize Peralta on left field. How's he doing? He mashes righties. That's his his profile. Uh, super, super good offensive talent. The problem with this team isn't necessarily the lack of top of or middle of the order bats. Like they do have both Martes and Peralta will be solid offensive contributors. It's just they don't quite have enough 
because to make some noise against the Dodgers, you really got to have a stack lineup because top to bottom, Dodgers are just disgusting. Cole Calhoun doesn't do that for me. You know what I mean? Like there's just not enough here to say, yeah, these pieces are good. Um, we didn't even mention Christian Walker, who had his first real season last year when they got rid of Goldschmidt and he got his first chance to really have some chance to start. But these none of these guys are, are going to lead the charge to steal a division away from the Dodgers. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So what do you think? In around 500 probably? Yeah, um, around 500, maybe a little under 500 if the rotation implodes zach allen could be good but he's also super young and unproven and he could not be good mad bum could be good he could be hurt or he could have his first real season of major decline i'd say we don't really know Hmm. so that takes us to the colorado rockies uh and my question for them is i heard a rumor that nolan arenado is on the move uh is that true and if so, what else is to look forward with for this team? I'm genuinely unsure. I think they were in the playoff picture last year. Uh, last year, last year, not quite. 2017, they were ah. in the wild card game. Actually, no, I believe that was 2018. Yes. But uh, yeah, the, the, the thing with the Arenado situation, it's really weird. So he wanted out and then that got public. And the GM was like, okay, well, if he's going to make a statement, I'll make a statement. And then he walked back his statement and he was like, I guess I'll stay. And then the GM kind of, it was just, it was a public mess because it was very much out in the open, but kind of muffled at the same time, if that makes any sense. I don't know if that does. But it, Mm -hmm. so the moral of the story is he's staying put for now. There, there are a bunch of races in the NL that are super close. We talked about the East and the Central. You could kind of pick anyone. And even in the, in the AL Central, it's open enough that if someone wanted to really separate themselves, you would think buying Arenado or even Chris Bryant, who is rumored to be available, would have been a move that you would make in the offseason. But... With no one making that move, I'm not sure if he'll be dealt the deadline or, or, or really what they want to do, to be honest. Hmm. Looking at this roster, I do see some names I recognize. Uh, once again, not sure if that's a good thing or a bad thing anymore. Uh, but Blackman, Murphy, Story, Arenado. From what I see, it looks like they have some solid pieces. Story's super good. People sleep on Story. He's super good. Um, Dark Horse MVP candidate good five tools he can run he can hit for power he can hit for contact he can do everything but they don't have that next tier like there's they don't have the bats to support it they don't have a full roster of either pitchers or even to form a lineup there's if if arenado gets dealt and story gets hurt there is a legitimate chance that they finish with a worse record than the Baltimore Orioles. Jeez. So I was way off. Well, yeah, they're, they're not contending. If they, they would need a huge breakout season from somebody if they were going to compete almost like a, a Juan Soto coming out of nowhere. This prospect is ready to dominate type season because uh, the lineup, the rotation 
John Gray's been around forever, but never put up a great season. Marquez had a good 2018, not so much 2019. Kyle Freeland was in AAA because he couldn't get it done. Jeff Hoffman's never done anything, and I, 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 I don't know. There's, there's not a ton here, to be honest. Wow. Okay. So that takes us to the LA Dodgers, uh, who just looked absolutely stacked. And I think you'd probably agree with me on that one. Yeah. They're the best team in the MLB period. Mm -hmm. So because we know that, and because, you know, I believe as casual fan, I am, I still know how good everyone on this roster is. Uh, I just have a simple question. Uh, if it turns out that the Red Sox also cheated along with the Astros, how will Bellinger react to Mookie Betts? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I in the past we've seen teammate relationships where there's been unhappiness, and then when they become teammates, the biggest example I can think of is David Ortiz. And David Price didn't get along, if those are the two I'm remembering. I think so. But when he signs in Boston, that might even be the right guy. I think No, I think it was because they played together in 2016. Yeah, that's right. And then they, they made up and, and whatever. But that wasn't cheating. That was just they didn't get along playing against each other and, 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 and legitimate stuff. I don't know how that would play out because – a lot of players are very vocal about being against what the Astros did on podcasts, on Twitter. We don't really see that, not not just in baseball, but in any sport where athletes are vocal against what other athletes have done. Can, can I, I can't even think of another example that we've seen anything like this. Have you, can you? In terms of cheating, not really. Like maybe I don't follow football that well, but maybe Deflategate. But I don't think you've seen as much from players, though, unless I'm wrong. Yeah, I, I think actually you're probably right. Uh, and I might be missing an enormous scandal in basketball, but I don't really think it's that possible to cheat at basketball <laughs> outside of like ref stuff. But, yeah, or like you know. steroids. But even that, I, I don't know. This is like some – what the Astros did was on some next level. Yeah. Uh, I don't – if I were guessing, I don't think the Red Sox had anything close to what the Astros were doing because the investigation turned up nothing. Mm-hmm. Which surprises me. And if there was, like, all the stuff that Mike Fires has gotten for outing the Astros, I feel like there's been enough mediocre replacement level players that have come through that Boston team that someone would have said something by now if they were doing something. Yeah. Um, but, I don't know. Maybe uh, maybe Betts will take them bowling if they have to mend their relationship. <laughs> Not sure if you've seen that, but Betts is insane at bowling, apparently. Jeez. Did you know that? I did not. I saw a video. Uh, I think it was on ESPN, though. I thought it was a whole like it was a whole thing on Bellinger and Yelich, and they were just uh, doing arcade games. So, but with Betts, Betts is like Betts is the master bowler, so he could beat Bellinger at that game at least. Yeah, he's like uh, he's bowled multiple three perfect three hundred scores, and I think his brother's in a professional league, and yeah, he he takes bowling seriously. <laughs> Well, damn. Yeah. yeah, so, I mean, what? They got two top five players in the MLB. They got a staff that looks very, very good. They got some good names in the pen. Their infield's pretty good. Like, is there a hole with this team? No. 
I mean, maybe the bullpen. I uh, wouldn't call it a hole per se, just not as strong as it could be. But even even when we reach playoff time, whoever isn't doing the best on the mounds in the rotation will just go to the bullpen. We saw David Price be very strong out of the bullpen in the 2018 run for the playoff uh, for the Red Sox, and we've seen Alex Wood be strong out of the bullpen in the past for these Dodgers. So if you have concerns about the bullpen, it's almost just like wait till playoffs, then it'll get better. Mm-hmm. Uh, if that even matters, they've signed Blake Trinan. Do you know Blake Trinan? You do, right? Maybe. I've heard of him. Yeah, he was super good with the A's in 2018, but then last year was just bad. Last year he had like an I think an ERA around five. Jeez. After having an ERA around one or maybe even under one. Hmm. Yeah, 2018, he had an 078 ERA. Wow. In in 68 games, 078. That's probably just lucky in that year and then unlucky the next. Yeah, well, the, the next year, 57 games, his ERA jumped up to 491, which is a huge uh-huh. difference. So, yeah, I, I don't know if it's luck or, or something fell off. He wasn't – his hard hit percentage went way, way up, so he was just getting hit all around a lot harder. But uh, they got him on a one-year deal for $10 million, so – a closer that good that could end up paying dividends just there's even their weaknesses would still be a strength on some of these other teams mm-hmm. uh next we head to the padres and this is just a, a general question i have that kind of i mean when was the last time they made the playoffs because i really don't remember any time in my lifetime that they have maybe that's a bit extreme but in terms of memory i can't think of anything yeah i'll I'll say the same thing. I I so they they made the NLDS in 2006, so they're on a a 13 season drought and counting. Jeez. So okay, just a, I see there are a couple names that I know are good. The left side of their infield looks pretty solid, and uh, I I'm just kind of confused because they're in San Diego. I. It's a pretty glamorous market. Like you're on the beach, you're in California, you're like an hour away from LA. So why they've been so bad for so long, and will that continue into this year? Yeah, um, I feel like that's something that they wish they knew as well. I don't know. That's uh, the. I feel like for years and years we've just heard that they have these prospects and they've got the best farm system in baseball, and it's it's all about the up and coming, but. It just hasn't manifested yet. And the funny thing is, Fernando Tatis Jr., the guy who's the face of the rebuild, wasn't even their own homegrown, drafted, developed player. I mean, they traded for him from the White Sox, from their organization. So, yeah, I I, I think they are at the verge of opening a window, I guess, where they aren't quite... Um, ready to contend, especially when you look at their division, that you really have to be ready to contend against the Dodgers. But they, uh, Tatis is like the start of this new wave, and Chris Paddock and all this, these guys coming up. Mackenzie Gore will be with them maybe this year, maybe next year. Um, likely at some point in 2020, we'll see him if we see baseball in 2020. Disclaimer, asterisk, sad face. But, uh, yeah, the team for 2020, not much outlook. Yeah, we really should have done this pot at another time, eh? Being that there might not be a 2020. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. 
just a lot of i guess uh housekeeping episodes nice house housekeeping from the houses nice <laughs> i didn't even know that that's what i did <laughs> inside baseball wow uh yeah so now uh was uh, just another question on them. Last one I was thinking was Manny Machado just an impulse buy, being that this is not their window. It's 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 an interesting question. the The part that I don't get is the two contracts that were signed that offseason were him and Harper were the two big ones, and Harper was signed for thirteen years. Where it's like, if your window doesn't fall sometimes in thirteen years, then I don't know what you're doing. It, that's gonna cover you. That's fine. Thirteen years, you're, he's gonna be there when you want to win. Machado is a ten-year deal, but there's an opt-out after year five, so they're they're kind of set up where for t- to not miss out on that opt-out or to to capitalize before the potential opt-out. You want your window to be within the next four years. So he's burned the first year of his deal. You'll have an opt out after 2023. Um, they should be competing by then because the Tees will be established in his prime, and Mackenzie Gore will be up and hopefully um, pitching to as expectations. I'm not sure if you know. I've mentioned him a couple times. Gore is one of, if not the top pitching prospect in baseball. And then he. So Machado was young enough that while he was signed, not necessarily in their window, he'll still be with them for at least the beginning portion of their window. And then they can either look to resign him or just uh, hope he doesn't opt out or, or however they want to play it. But it's kind of like the Jays signing Ryu this past offseason where you want him there to help develop the upcoming core and hope that by the last couple years of, of the deal, you will be in that contending phase so the last team on the list uh are the san francisco giants uh, i recognize a lot of team uh, a lot of names on this team not sure if that's a good thing being that you know it seems like their peak was years ago uh so we're gonna get to that but my question for them is uh in their heyday there was a trend where most of the guys in their, their rotation had flow and then their bullpen had glorious beards is that still the case what a question jeff samarja's got flow but, I mean, that's that's a lot of pressure to put on one guy. So I'm going to say that's not quite the case anymore. Actually, no, this, the Cueto's still there. The Cueto's still there, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Cueto and Samarja, it's, I don't know, they're, they're, they're pulling their weight. As for the rest of the starters, maybe not so much. Um, unfortunately, the, the beard trend more or less fell off a cliff when Brian Wilson left because he, he brought a lot to the table in the beard department. And uh, that's a big hole for anyone to try and fill. So uh, that's not going quite as much anymore. But, uh, I mean, not not much else is happening in the bullpen either. It's a shame. Uh, they also had, what's his name, uh, Pettit or Petit? I forget how to pronounce it, but he, he had a, a nice beard on him. He had like a, like a very... Uh, trimmed and upkept beard right like it wasn't like a wild beard like uh brian wilson right unless i'm this hey his beard was long but it was quite quaffed i remember it being very quaffed wilson yeah oh yeah yeah like you Mm -hmm. can tell you can tell there's there's time spent on it but it's 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 the the wild man growth yeah just that much amount of beard you have it's it's gonna give that wild energy looking at the picture uh Petit could have gotten a bit more credit for his if Wilson wasn't there. Uh, he didn't have the stash with the beard, but 
His beard got bushy on the bottom. <laughs> All right, and that wraps up the Giants. Uh-huh. <laughs> That's our uh, Giants beard analysis. But uh, just back on this team, their names I recognize. It seems like all their primes were at least like five to ten years ago. Like I said, like Hunter Pence, Evan Longoria, Buster Posey, Brandon Crawford. But is this team good? No. <laughs> and that's all there is to say. They lost. Um, they lost Bumgarner, who I think is almost a trade off for Cueto because Cueto was out all of last year, and they're kind of in the same stages of their career where. Former aces turned decent rotation guys. Yeah, still, still top half of the rotation guys, but not, not, not carrying a team into playoffs. Mm-hmm. And the lineup, I mean, there's not a ton, not a ton there. Uh, Mike Yastrzemski's kind of a cool story. Beyond that, uh, I don't know. It'll be weird seeing uh, Bumgarner in any jersey other than the Giants. Yeah. That was kind of a soft note to end on. Maybe we should talk a bit more about beards. <laughs> um, did you see the Mike Yastrzemski thing with Carl Yastrzemski last year in Fenway? I heard about it. I did not see it. Yeah, it's 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 kind of like a cool story. Um, so Carl Yastrzemski. Yeah, of course. I know who he is. Legendary, right? So his grandson, Mike Yastrzemski, if you could tell by the last name. Uh-huh. Not many Yastrzemski's walking around. Well, especially not in baseball. <laughs> um, that's that's almost assumed. I, I feel like at that point, when you've you've got that that name um, on the back of your jersey. But so yeah. they were playing interleague in Fenway, of course, where Carl Yastrzemski played um, and excelled, won his triple crown. So he threw out the first pitch to Mike Yastrzemski. So it was. Um, Carl threw it. Mike caught it. Usually, obviously, the the home team catches the first pitch, but because of the family connection, um, the Red Sox let him catch it, and then he hit a home run over the monster. And it was like, ah, oh, that's kind of like a nice moment. Yeah, that's a good story for sure. Is that a better way to end? <laughs> yeah. Uh, so thanks for listening to the Outside Baseball podcast. Hopefully, the audio quality was decent enough. Uh, And we hope to bring you these pods once a week. Stay tuned for our next episode. Thanks again. My name is Seth Nevsky. With me as always, Drew Frank.